Hello everyone and welcome to Sex and Violence, also known as Sex Plus Violence or Sex Ampersand Violence, any which way you like it babies. It's your weekly punk rock movie podcast about boobs, guns, but only in a really, only in a cinematic way. I don't really want to hear any. any no, 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 no real life. No, no real no. like. Re- I don't like real life violence. It's not my thing. Right? But it's about swords, exposed penises, sex acts, saxophone solos, neon lighting, and dark rooms, cats, hookers, hookers, hooker cats, hooker cats. Mm-hmm. Oh, there goes one. There you one. go. Aw, is Pazuzu a hooker? Uh, maybe. You don't know where uh, she I, goes, I, no. I don't know where she was before I got her. So I, know, I know by day she is a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. By night, arguing with priests. Mm-hmm. China Mew. China Mew. Nailed yes. it. Yes. I'm one of your co-hosts. I am Gabriel Mara. I am a comedian, sometimes an audio producer and a writer, and my co-host, who is here with me as always, uh, Ryan Snyder, bartender extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm tooting my own horn these days. So. You have Ordinaire in bulk. Yes. So much extra. Ordered it off Amazon. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Ryan, how is the bartending world treating you these days? Uh, Very well. You know, still keeping late nights, mm-hmm. having a lot of fun. Yeah. Still status quo, brother. When is your when is your big contest? Um, Monday, May 14th. Oh, that's and coming soon. Yes, it is in Philadelphia for the mm-hmm. Copper and Kings contest. Uh, so, fingers crossed. If could, you're in the Philly to, area... Go support Ryan. At the Plenty Cafe, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in Queens Village. Get kicked in the head by Ryan Snyder. Yes. It's going to be delicious. Yeah. It was a tasty, tasty drink, right? I like it. May I say. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, It's been busy. Crazy yeah. times. I haven't been able to really enjoy any of, like any media. I've been reading a lot for slow readers and for my job. And I haven't been I haven't been in the movie theater in weeks. It kind of really, really bumps me That's out. odd for you. I, I feel it's very odd for me because normally I go once a week. But I think nothing good has been out. Nothing that good. Yeah, I mean we're we're in that weird kind of middle ground before blockbusters come out, and mm-hmm. then everyone wants to go see all your summer blockbusters, and then yeah. that bleeds over into your Academy winners. Then you've got that weird like January to Aprilish of yeah. like just sometimes there's a, a gem in there. I think that, yeah, I think the movie Dead Season is almost over, and maybe one of the biggest movies in the history of cinema is coming out this week. So. Yes. Actually, the day this, uh, this 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 episode drops. Yes. So, Ryan, of course, I'm talking about the direct-to-video release of the next Universal Soldier movie. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't think that's probably the cool. biggest that'd thing. That'd be cool. I'd be on for that though. Universal but Soldier. You want, you want to talk about that a minute before we dive into our movie, or do you want to save that for later? Should oh. we have to save a morsel of of Avenging? Let's uh, let's save it for later. We'll okay. Table this because that might go a little bit longer. I dig it, Ryan. Did we do a movie? We did a movie. Or did we do a series of sitcom episodes tied together by porn? Um, that could be how you read this too. Could be. For the first time in a long time, we've actually we're back to format. We're back to watching a movie day of together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then reviewing. It's, it's. I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. We, it's it's been a while. Yeah, it, it has been quite some time. Yeah. A couple. Um, yeah, Daniel was like, uh, I want to come in, I want to do Brotherhood of the Wolf. And I'm like, it's not fitting format, man. We're, yeah, we're back on. We're back on format. Yeah, sorry. So I, th- I figured after uh, we'll do sex, we'll do violence, we'll do punk rock, and then we'll either do palate cleanser, guest of palate cleanser, or something random. That's fine. I can take it. That's still format. Mm-hmm. We're I'm still fine. holding tight. Yes. So, Gabriel. Yes. What movie? I just called you Daniel. Yes, Ryan. What movie did we do? We did... 1984's Crimes of Passion, directed by Ken Russell 
and starring Anthony Perkins, Kathleen Turner, and John Laughlin. It's John Laughlin, Bobby? Yes. Okay. Bobby Grady. What else was he in? You know, I looked it up. Not, not a not whole much. lot. Not much. I remember like um, when we watched a trailer last week during the episode, it's like, and introducing John Laughlin. And I'm like, and for the last time, John, John Laughlin. Apparently he's Woody in Footloose. He is uh, in Under Siege as Zix. Oh, he's one of the bad guys, I think, in The Rock. Oh. But no, he, he ain't do much. He's got one of those heads. It's like a stereotypical 80s that guy. Yeah. And like I think we'll we'll get into it later on about how this movie might have benefited from having everyone have the star power of John Laughlin, which is basically not. Mm-hmm. But Ryan, this was your pick. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, trailer. There are no secrets in the dark. There is no act that cannot be committed. In Women in Love, he crossed forbidden boundaries, in altered states. He explored the unknown powers of the mind. Now he explores the most provocative power of all. A woman who lives in two worlds. A man who must lose himself to possess her. They are strangers. They are lovers. They are outlaws. But their crimes are crimes of passion. The star of Body Heat and Romancing the Stone, Kathleen Turner. Anthony Perkins creating an unforgettable role of menacing power and introducing John Laughlin. Never before have two adults consented to so much. Crimes of Passion, the most talked about movie of the year. Mmm, saxophone. Oh, oh, sexy. Actually, great trailer. Yeah, actually, that's what sold you. As soon as I heard the uh, saxophones going, I was like, I know he's in. Mm-hmm. Ryan, two-part question. One, what is it, not the plot, and two, why? It is a noirish sexual thriller. Uh-huh. Erotic thriller. Um, yeah, that's the way I kind of read it, and mm-hmm. why? Um... About a year ago, <laughs> story time with Rice. And I. I was at um, I was at Barnes and Noble, and I remember texting you about it. I took like a picture of the DVD cover of this, and it was like thirty nine dollars. And I was like, "This is handsome, like neon thing." Yeah, like the cover of it looked really cool, and I was like, "Crimes of Passion, this looks sexy." And then mm-hmm. like reading the blurb on the back, I was like, "So I texted you, and I took a picture of it. And I was like, should I buy it?'" And then I was going to see a movie, and it, you didn't text me back, so I was like, "Fuck it, I'll just leave it here." Mm-hmm. So it's always been in the back of my mind to check it out, and that's why. And Ryan. Very briefly before we get into it, was that caution warranted? Yes, I would not spend forty dollars uh-huh. yeah. on this. I'm glad I only spent three ninety nine on mm-hmm. Amazon. I think that would have been an angry forty dollars. Yeah, that would have been uh, me being pretty pissed off at mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, I, I think we're probably like the only people in the last like probably four years to have like rented this on Amazon. Probably, 
Yeah, it, I don't see this being like a heavy download movie. No, and I think it's it it's missing a kind of like quality to be a cult hit. There's something weird about this movie. Like I'm yeah. not one to call to dismiss a movie for being weird because I like a lot of, like what I consider to be great. A lot of others would consider weird, but mm-hmm. this is genuinely weird. As in, what do you think this movie is, Ken? I don't... it's not an art school project, Mm-mm. which is what it kind of felt like it wanted to be but it's like like you would said like tonal shifts throughout it's just drastic tonal shifts it's really bizarre yes like i don't know i don't know all the paintings and yeah like inner cuts like i was like that okay what are you what are you trying to say at the start of um the first few scenes i'm like are they putting on a stage play oh no no they're not they're doing some what's the plot of this movie Ryan do you want do you want to break it down I'll give you the brief plot um, so there is a uh, woman who is a prostitute mm-hmm. and she encounters uh, two men uh, one is a priest and the other is something of a private detective mm-hmm. type so yeah he's, kind he's of a family man he, freelance he runs freelance up. Freelance detective? He runs like a gadget surveillance shop, mm-hmm. so that's why he gets hired to do detective work, because um, he has cameras and shit. Yes. Both of these men are pursuing her for different reasons, mm-hmm. and hilarity ensues? Uh, intentional or not? Unintentional hilarity ensues. Yes. Um, like you said, you could have broken this movie. It's an hour and 46 minutes, and you could probably break this up into like a series of 22-minute like episodes of yeah. a sitcom. It looks weird. This movie looks weird. Yeah, it's like I I had pointed out, and then you had concurred that like it looks. It's almost shot like it's a BBC like show or documentary. Mm-hmm. Like it's just bizarre. Or like like a rerun of something you'd, you'd see like airing on TNT, mm-hmm. or like like US like, like it has that weird quality of it looks like old eighties television. Yes. And like like there's there are entire scenes where you think it's oh, this is the first ten minutes of a cop show. And yep. it's not. I'm a bit dumbfounded like dumbfounded by this movie, Ryan. Same. Um it's it's bizarre. Uh-huh. It's definitely one of the weirder ones we've done. Yes. Um this is the heterosexual cruising. But in nowhere near as upsetting and in no. poor taste. But there's definitely something in the opposite direction of cruising where it's like oh this is an explicitly sexual movie and yes. apparently they cut out a lot more and honestly like props to kathleen turner for taking on this role which is taking a couple for the team yeah several it's i i don't understand this movie no what did he what was I, he going for what was he going for Ryan? what do you think you're ken russell and you finally got a chance to tell your your sexy movie what? Why? What are you doing? Um, What's if this music? What's if this ridiculous? I think there's some Catholic guilt in here, mm-hmm. and trying to rectify that with a, a sexuality, mm-hmm. like a, it, it, it's yeah, that's it's sexuality and Catholic guilt mixed with a little bit of like detective work. Is that what he was going for? That's kind of seems like it. Like the main players being the priest and China Blue, and mm-hmm. having. Your detective Bobby and the kind of like floating in the background with his own subplot going on. Yeah, like it. It this could have been either an intense erotic thriller, kind of like like Dress to Kill, like mm-hmm. it definitely flavors of that. But then mixed in with that are weird moments of broad comedy about about 
Bobby sex. as a family man having frank conversations about sex. It's uh, Ryan. There's this really great movie that came out in '69 called uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Okay. It's this excellent film about two different couples. They're all friends of each other, and it's about people like late mid thirties who are adults during the sexual revolution, and they they have frank and very fun and well-directed and clever and often sad and very funny conversations about infidelity and it all climaxes in like will they won't they all have an orgy Hmm. and it's this genuinely lovely movie about having conversations about sex and marriage and love so imagine if you did a shitty version of that and you you wedged it into random bits of dress to kill yes you get crimes of fashion yes like but poor poor Jeanette like what she got just got shits on the whole movie like she they there's no is that that's her name right Annie Potts yeah no it's, no it's Amy her name is Amy oh but Ghostbusters oh Janine, Janine yeah yeah so yeah Bobby's wife played by Janine from Ghostbusters gets like this for the first part of, do you think she got a completely thankless role in this but she did get that like two scenes of depth that make me like oh gee. yeah there's there's a like through the first like two thirds of the movie you're like this frumpy bitch like what's her <laughs> problem and then she's like, adorable though and she's, then so, it, she's so like what I don't want to have sex we got cable yeah and then it switches and just becomes like a like oh I miss my husband please come home yeah, serious drama moment yeah like the 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 last time he goes home for dinner like mm-hmm. it's a it's a heartbreaking scene she's just trying for mm-hmm. the first time in like the whole movie love her earrings yeah it's a very sweet scene that she tries to play and then it's just uh she does not get what she's after this movie doesn't know what it wants to be i, th- I thought i said when we were watching it that if you cut out the entire anthony perkins from psycho as perverted stalker trying to kill china blue this movie might work better i think that this movie would actually be like this really interesting and kind of sweet introspective story about love and, yeah. and what sex means for people because like there's so many great scenes like with china blue get kathleen turner angular face sometimes sometimes i found her super attractive in this yeah sometimes she looked like she was 50 again yeah and i'm like well, yeah, okay but there are like tender scenes like when she gets hired to sleep with the older man thing by the wife yeah she do, I mean, her character does have moments where you're like, man, this crazy bitch. And then mm-hmm. you get the moments when trying to sleep with the older man. You're like, wow, she hook her with, yeah. hook her with a hot of gold. Yeah, hook her with a hot of gold. Like, I called that scene. I was like, yeah, no, you, you knew it. You know, I, I was hoping she was just going to fuck him. But nope. no. She had a very sweit, tender moment with mm-hmm. him. And then just left and gave the money back. I, I, I didn't dislike this movie. Like, let me, mm. let me make that clear. I okay. think I really enjoyed it in a way. Like, like watching like a slow motion car accident where somehow no one got hurt. Yeah. You're like, whoa. Whoa. Your a, car is totaled and no one bender. got hurt. Yeah. That's good for you. I mean, sorry, your car got fucked up, dude. But hey, everyone's alive. I really think you should that like the whole Anthony Perkett thing should have been removed from this. That would have made really, such yeah. a better movie. I would have really liked a more taut erotic neo-noir kind yeah. of thing that is what body heat is which we have to do at some point okay i think that's is that also kathleen turner i think maybe no, i don't know i'm not sure um 
But he, like, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I didn't dislike it. I don't want to undersell this. This is exactly the type of movie that we started this show it, to kind of find. It fits the format perfectly. But, like I said to you, the, the sex picks are always the, the weird ones. <laughs> like, there's always some it bizarre thing. Turner. Is it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I yeah. think they didn't want to be Body Heat, because Body Heat is straight up a neo like a neo noir about a seducing like older woman kind of mm-hmm. thing and this movie wanted to wanted to have like like frank talk about sexual mores while also throwing in incredibly broad frank, comedy moments i don't even think it's like frank talk it's like a lot of like euphemisms mm-hmm. like the, the, the oddly clever one of the, dialogue yeah yeah she's a very like quick-witted she's almost um she actually might be. She comes across as like... Lorelai Man- Gilmore. I know exactly what I was going to say Manic Pixie Dream Girl kind of thing. Oh, maybe. I guess I could see that. She has those like snappy dialogue moments mm-hmm. and she's just the unattainable girl. Yeah. And Except for, you know, the last line of the movie, which is so fucking uh, okay. Yeah. And the movie also, it, it, <laughs> it, it does that whole thing where it's... The, I, I see your point where she is like... Like she has that like monologue that every manic pixie dream girl has these days mm-hmm. to to put a lampshade on it. Mm-hmm. She's like, like I finally let myself be open to you, but I understand it's fine. Maybe you shouldn't come back here. Do you know how hard it was to open up to you? She yeah. had the "I'm not your manic pixie dream girl" speech, which automatically makes you a manic pixie dream girl. Yes, it's like the hipster like kind of idea. Yeah, you're I mean, not a true hipster unless you deny you're a hipster. Yeah, it's truth. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hipster. Yeah, I'm a hipster. No, you're not. <laughs> Circles. Yeah. I'm. I'm really a bit of a loss about this movie because I. Yeah, I don't know what to say about. it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. It's. This is definitely. Did, did it not work? No. Yeah, what the fuck were you? There were. Thinking? There were parts of it that didn't work yeah. though. The whole. Uh, the movie as a whole, I'd say like seventy percent of it worked for me. Mm-hmm. It's just those weird thirty percent when anytime Anthony Perkins on screen, you're like, what the fuck <laughs> is go- like why? Dude, like, and it's being silly. I forget who said this. Some some uh, some um, classical director said that your job as director is tone management, mm-hmm. and this movie wildly fails at that. Like like really like tone like if you told me Werner Herzog made this movie, I would believe you. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, this Moon Man who doesn't really care about the conventions of storytelling decided to make a sex thriller that also happens to be an examination of marriage. And be like, oh, oh, sure. Yeah. I could have used more of the the home life of uh, Bobby yeah. and Amy. I would have really dug that more than seeing Anthony Perkins every like fifteen minutes being yeah. crazy. And then cutting to random. And he has no, he doesn't really even get a backstory. We don't really get no. much about him. He's just like a crazy perverted priest who wants to <laughs> save the hooker. Yeah, apparently he was supposed to be a shoe salesman in the original script, and then Anthony Perkins was the one who said, "Oh, I should be a priest." Yeah, but again, like, there's no, like, he, like, where's the motivation for his character? Like, yeah. it's just, we're supposed to buy it because he dresses as a priest. There's no actual proof that he's a priest. He just carries around a Bible and spouts shit at people. Uh-huh. Like, it's bizarre. It's weird. There's scene. There's a lot of scenes where it's, like, rapid fire back and forth of clever dialogue between, like, like everything Kathleen Turner says in this is, like, some Catherine Hepburn shit where she says a really, like, clever, like, like one-liner. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be, like, a like an almost comical play-like back and forth between her and Anthony Perkins. Mm-hmm. And, and then it leads up to that climax where he's once again in a dress. Yeah. This movie does... 
it's it's like having a, a very it works in spite of itself yeah but it's like having kramer show up mm-hmm. every like 15 minutes for, yeah like oh god damn it dude right have you ever seen southland tales no I almost want to make you watch it because that movie is a next level clusterfuck. Like you, like you. How you, old is it? It came out like like about fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. And really, that movie, it, it it's it's a mind bender in the worst way. And people come to love it in a cult way. Like, I would love to discuss it with you because we talked about it in our old movie show, uh, That's on My List, with an avowed lover of the movie. And I, I think the movie is, like... So, let me try to explain Southland Tales to you. I don't think I can. <sighs> Mosaic movie. Los mm-hmm. Angeles. The future, sort of? Not really? Okay. Different strands of storytelling. There is some kind of new Bible somewhere with a prophecy. Kevin Smith is in it. Is a weird old man in a wheelchair, I think. Um, The Rock plays a paranoid movie star who gets thrown in with the cult. I'm sold. Oh, Ryan, no, hold on. <laughs> Let me keep on going. Um, random, random more stuff. Sean William Scott plays twins, cops, with one with a head injury. John Lovitz is in it. Basically, as a corrupt cop, Amy Poehler randomly in it as member of a as a terrorist cell. You just keep selling me. I think Ryan, you might be one of those people that if you sat down with this thing, you would have the right attachment to be like, "This is awesome" because this is fucking nonsense. Yeah, it's I I unequivocally hated that movie, which makes me want to see it again. Okay, because it's long as fuck. Is it's it really? like Magnolia long. Like three hours. I think it's Magnolia long. Let me double check because I I often conflate it with Magnolia. But Ryan, there's there's I I can't explain to you what. How this? Yeah, it's like two hours and forty minutes long, and That's... Sarah Michelle Gellar plays like a porn star, and it features one of the best lines in the history of cinema. I'm not even gonna ruin it for you, actually. Okay. Because at the end of the movie, The Rock gets a random one-liner. Um, Justin Timberlake is in it as a scarred narrator who who lip syncs to a killer's song. Oh boy, Ryan! This just sounds awesome. Okay, you know I think you might I think. You might enjoy this movie because it's fucking bonkers. I but like bonkers movies. It's, it's bonkers. Imagine if like like you see Donnie Darko, same writer director, okay. and then you're like, those are some interesting ideas. I'm a noted Donnie Darko detractor though. Yeah. Oh, it's nothing like Donnie Darko cool. except for the nonsense, the utter utter metaphysical nonsense. There's books that's comic books that support Southland Tales. Oh. Boy, but what I, my point I'm getting at is that there's an element of that. What what people like out of Southland Tales, you could find in this movie. In that it's like scenes are happening that are shot in a deliberate way that confuse you, and it sets up this thing that you're not sure what's really happening. And then when it happens, you're like, "That can't be it. Is that really it?" Okay, and. You're pretty sure you're seeing a work of completely terrible genius, but also, I don't even know, Ryan. 
I want to I want to see where this lands on the uh, the never reliable tomato meter. Oh yeah, no, Southland Tales got like booed at can. Really? I think so. It's this clusterfuck, Ryan. You're really. Um, for you, and maybe for this wow. show, I think that I could sit through another screening of Southland Tales, because I, I, we could bring Daniel oh, back onto that. Two hours and 24 minutes. Oh, there are multiple cuts. Oh, okay. It's one of, it, it really, it's like a, it's like an entire religion onto itself, I swear to God. People have like a cult-like attachment to this movie. And I, I, I here, not that, not that this is going to be the Southland Tales podcast, but here's a, here's what, um, here's the description from Wikipedia. Curtis Armstrong's in this too. Oh my god! Who's who's that? Uh, a, a booger. Oh. <laughs> okay. Set in the then near future of two thousand eight, as part of an alternate history, the film was a portion of Los Angeles and a satiric commentary in the military-industrial complex and the infotainment industry. Oh. Oh boy, Ryan. Okay, but we, I, I think we have to do this now. Okay. Cause it's fucking insane. All right, I'm, I'm down with that. But coming back down to Crimes of Passion, it feels like someone had some really big ideas exploring some very deep subjects and somehow made it laughable while also still working. Yeah, now, this was, I, I think this was like... I a lot of this movie, but I'm still like, okay, this is, this is fine. I think this is a studio giving somebody full control. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, make something fucking crazy and weird. We'll put it out. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, can you cut out uh, eight minutes? Because this is porn. Yeah. Did we go into that? How this movie has lengthy sex scenes that are just like... Silhouette-y sex scenes. silhouette sex scenes, like, like in Black Dynamite. Yeah, I... I yeah, it's... And then they have... They're a, awkward and overly long. Now, can I sell the scene to you, listeners? Listeners, I'm going to go so far as to say, I think you should rent this movie for a confusing but decent time. I would say it's worth a at least one watch. Yeah, definitely. Maybe not a rewatch, because I don't think I'll be revisiting it, but I don't it's, think I ever will. it's a movie you need to see once. Like, so, Bobby, he's having trouble at home, because Janine doesn't want to have sex with him anymore. Long drama about that. But he's tailing sexy, sexy Kathleen Turner, and then he decides to go to her to go have sex with her. And clever one-liners back and forth, extended sex scene, really, really long sex scene, with the most ridiculous soundtrack. Did he even go into the soundtrack for this movie? Oh, just that it's all, like, bizarre guy from Motifs of all the same, like, like... Weird. Synth and saxophone. Like, that doesn't even sound like synth. It sounds like, like a MIDI player. Like, like mm-hmm. This could have been a, a ringtone. And it just plays based on the New World Symphony by Dvorak, which is okay. That's another Southland Tales kind of thing. This movie is, in its own way, ridiculously pretentious. Mm-hmm. With like various intercuts to phot- like photography and classic paintings. It's like, look at this Klimt print. It's supposed to symbolize semen. And I'm like... Oh. And so they're done fucking. Then abruptly, while they're fucking, there's Anthony Perkins watching from the other room. And then after they're done fucking, it turns into this weird, like, argument, like a lover's quarrel. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, arguments that and, like, moments that happen, like, out of nowhere. Yes. Where it's like, where the fuck did you get this idea that, like, Mm -hmm. like, is there a... There must be a missing scene, like, ten minutes beforehand that was cut for, like, whatever reason. Like, oh, they'll, they'll get it. The, the pictures will help. Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of worked. It, yeah, it, did, it yeah. did not work. I will say this to our listeners. If you decide to go and rent this, in the first five minutes you'll be saying, what the fuck? Yes, yeah, seriously. Um, but it's your fault for renting it. Mm-hmm. But but rent it. Also us on our telling rec- them to do yeah, it. Yeah, on our recommendation. Like Ryan and I repeatedly watching, we're just like, what 
is this? What is happening? Yeah. It it doesn't like it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then when it starts having a plot, you're like, okay. This yeah, is out of nowhere. We could have started this 20 minutes ago. Yeah, the but, plot okay. doesn't really kick in to like 45 minutes mm-hmm. in or so. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Ken Russell made like a four-hour cut of this movie. And like, oh. Like, oh, this is my masterpiece about modern sex. Yeah, and it's nowhere near a masterpiece. Mm-mm. It's just, it's a grody little movie. Yeah. The kind of movie this show was built upon. Exactly. It's, um, it is one of the bricks that this house was built with. Yes, but, and you know what? I'm glad we watched it because I did same, enjoy this. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not unenjoyable. It's just a lot of what the fuck moments and mm-hmm. a lot of laughing at things that should be serious. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you want to seem like the uh, the master of cult film, you got to add this into your repertoire. Yeah, I, I can dig it. Um, Ryan, the the our test, the VCR test. You walk in, you sit down, you order a beer. On the TV in the top corner of the sex and violence faux bar. Crimes of Passion is playing. What do you do? Talk to the bartender about the movie in certain scenes. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, dude, you have to watch this. It's This scene is hilarious. Have you been keeping it on? You've had this on the whole time with the volume on? So you kind of haven't half paying attention? Okay, watch this. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably sit and like finish out the movie. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be like... If somebody was like, uh, can we put on uh, the uh, you know the, the game? I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't be hurt or anything. Yeah, I wouldn't be hurt or anything like that. If you want to put on you know a baseball game. If you... If you take the control and you're like, hey, do you mind if we put on golf? I'd be like, uh, go fuck yourself. Yeah, Movie fuck staying you. on. I'd rather watch this than golf. What's wrong with you? Yeah, but if some if it's like football season and someone's like, hey, do you mind like Jaguars are playing the Chargers? Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, whatever, go or for it. Or it's like, hey, look what I found. Ratatouille's on. I'm like, yeah. yeah! It was on last night. It was on Freeform. Me and yeah. the professor watched it. Oh, lovely. Yeah, well, um, now and again, these days, if I'm over her house for dinner... We catch Jeopardy together, and we watch a movie afterwards. Well, you guys actually, like, argue during Jeopardy? Like, to shout out the answers to the TV? Oh, yeah. No, we have a rule where, um, because I'm a faster reader than her, at least my eyes move faster, she is a much better reader than me, we, our, our rule is, much like the game, you can't answer until Alex is done talking. Hmm. Because otherwise I win every time. Interesting. I want to come over and play this. Yeah, dude. We'd love to have you. Uh, Michelle Monaghan always calls it uh, me watching my stories. <laughs> so I love Jeopardy. Oh, so much. I love Jeopardy. Um, yeah, we'll have a... I used to go down to uh, the old Twisted Olive. 7 o'clock is always Jeopardy time. But oh. we'll have you guys over for dinner and watch Jeopardy. It'd be great. That's fantastic. Yes. Big fan. I love Jeopardy so much. Um, but back to this thing. Yes. I feel like if I was teaching a film course, I would love to set up a course of... What, what went wrong? Yeah, what went wrong slash what is this movies? of? I would like to hear, like, if some of my assignment was write a paper about what works in this movie, what doesn't work, and how would you improve it, I'd love to teach an entire course on that. What other movies would be good for that? For yeah. why didn't this work? Yeah, what, but they're not bad movies. What, what towed that line? Um, hmm. One of my favorites is uh, Love and Other Drugs. It's that movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway with a lot of explicit sex also. Oh. You see a hell of a lot of Anne Hathaway boob in that. Ooh. But, Ryan, can I pitch you this movie really quickly? Go for it. So, Love and Other Drugs. What if I told you there's a movie that takes place in the mid-aughts? It's all about a young, charismatic man who becomes a pharmaceutical salesman. And he becomes a pharmaceutical salesman at the day at the advent of Viagra. So he becomes a superstar selling Viagra. Meanwhile, he starts dating a free-spirited artist 
who is, you know, who's, who's like kind of the same as him. They're kind of closed off. It just likes to fuck. Mm-hmm. And fuck they do. Oh. Also, she has Parkinson's disease. So, so it also is this meant becomes, to be Oscar bait? Oh, boy. And also, it becomes about them, him dealing with her Parkinson's disease. Also, Jake Gyllenhaal has one of the most annoying fat psychic characters in the history of cinema, played by Josh Gad, voice of Olaf the Snowman. Uh. So, this movie, which I think is one-third of an excellent movie, has two-thirds of a movie that's a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a fun thing to be like, also, the movie has the, the worst score I've ever heard in my life. Shit. Like, truly the most embarrassingly obvious score I've ever heard. I'm trying to rack my brain for a movie that I, that, like, didn't like that could use improve. Ooh, what? what worked and didn't work? Justice, like, very, uh, very easy. First oh. five minutes works. <laughs> After that, scrap the rest. Yeah, out of all those Marvel, all those DCs, I would go with that one. Actually, I think no. it still functions. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make a different argument. Mm-hmm. What uh, would this course be? Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Oh, that's a great one because I do not like that movie, and I would have, I, if it was my job to give notes to that movie, I'd have a binder. There's pieces of that movie that I like, but um, like I don't like how Bruce Wayne takes eight years off of crime fighting because his not girlfriend died. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love the first fight between him and Bane because yeah. that is like a, it's philosophical differences being settled in a physical way. That fight's amazing. It's really great but like the, the second fight between him and Bane is really bad because I think you've said this and I agree with it Batman in daylight just looks Dumb. He looks stupid in daylight. Yeah. Everyone knows this. And, like, what's the line? It's like, oh, you came back to die with your city. And, and it's, no, came back to stop you. Like, <laughs> do you want to do another pass on that, Chris? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, there's, or maybe, you know, or maybe have the fight take place at night and, mm-hmm. you know, have him be look around saying that line and then just Batman drops and just starts kicking the shit out of him. Yeah. No line needed, but. Mm-hmm. No, I think that movie's riddled with problems. And really, it, it loses me from the very beginning when you tell me that Batman has been out of commission for immediately after the Dark Knight, after you build up and tell me this is the story about how he becomes a Dark Knight, you tell me that he, that he wasn't, that you give me one of the best last lines in cinema history, only to, within seconds, undermine it. What are you, The Last Jedi? Hey! Ooh. I love that movie. I actually think that... Uh... Bane was the wrong villain for that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like after Dark Knight, you didn't need to go back to the well of, you know, the League of Assassins. Yeah, no, like, don't there was go no, backwards. There was no reason to go, you only go forward. What? Who would you have put as the villain for to end the Batman trilogy? And the Batman, in that, in the Dark Knight world? Yeah, in the, the Chris Nolan trilogy. realness? That's a good question. I've never thought about it that hard. Because Bane is always a strong choice in the sense of, what's it called? Of... The one who beat him, but mm-hmm. but I, if you're gonna do that storyline, like you that that should have been as much as I hate this, mm-hmm. that should have been the trilogy two parter and bring in the uh, Jean Paul Valley and yeah, go and full on go full Azrael. Yeah, I don't. I personally, I might have gone with, I think keeping with in terms of like cyber war kind of stuff oh, you go it. into you go into Riddler yes yeah thank you I think that would be like that's the next logical thing where 
Like, you show off the detective skills. Exactly. Because he, detective story. the first one he had to use, you know, his strength and fighting skills to mm-hmm. win. The second one he had to use a combination of, you know, uh, yeah. I think, again, it was a philosophical battle. Mm-hmm. But it was also fought with fists and there was some detective work there. I think in the third one you close out full on detective work because... You're not like Edward Nigma in a fist fight. Like yeah. that's not. There's no contest there. Mm-hmm. And then you end strong with you know Batman looking over the city, promising to always protect Gotham. Yeah. Close. Or right, did you ever did I ever show you that video from that YouTube series? Um, lessons from the screenplay. I think I may have seen the one you're yeah. talking about. There's one about the Dark Knight, where it talks about how the reason mm-hmm. why the Dark Knight works so well, creating an antagonist. The point of a, a good antagonist is, I, I think it's in the book, uh, Anatomy of a Story by John Truby. It's your villain must be exceptionally good at attacking your hero's weakness. Joker, perfect example. Yes. And so Batman has to overcome that through, like, the skin of his teeth. So what does Bane do better than Batman? Because Batman hasn't worked out in eight years. Yeah. That's why he... And that's, and that's the weakness. And yeah. that's, that's such a bullshit weakness to call on mm-hmm. with, like, especially this Batman character. Because, yeah. like... He's, uh, like, in Chris Nolan's universe, like, he's not an ultimate badass. He's a man with flaws. He yeah. can be beaten. We've seen him be beaten, like, t- numerous times in the last few movies. But he may lose the battle, but he'll win the war. But, like, I just, I think a, I think a tight psychological detective thriller would have been the right way to close out the trilogy. Or, you know what might have been the right way to do the Bane story? You go, you do Bane Venom, where it's all about yeah. how, for the, you know what's been happening these last eight years? Bruce Wayne, now that he no longer has um, Katie Holmes, and Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh-huh. Rachel, Bruce Wayne has receded from all public eye because he's only Batman now. For the last decade, he's run himself completely ragged. Yes. He's, he has ignored Alfred this whole time. He's become like a shell of himself. He's given everything already. And that's when Bane beats him. Because that makes more sense rather than, oh, I haven't worked out in like eight years because I'm sad. It's because that also yeah. some, and or like have you read the the Venom arc of Batman? Yeah, he gets addicted because he yeah, can't he can't the, save the the yeah. Yeah, he does like he does the the he, does, he does the patches, which is cool. You just show him where his weaknesses are as a man and how he learns to believe in himself again or something. And recognizes limitations. Yes. But yeah, that whole that whole movie like I have I have again I have numerous friends who will defend that movie, but like there are so many plot points in that yeah. that. Like the whole Robin thing always bugged me. Yeah. Like you should use your legal name, Robin. And I'm just sitting there in the theater. Yeah. I just want to be like, "Fuck Same. you." Same. The audience, my and my, I saw it like opening night. Everyone was like, "Oh." <gasps> yeah, I and heard. And I was I, like, "Fuck you." I, but like, Fuck you. I'd say eighty percent of the audience gasped, and I was like, "Dude, yeah, blame." Well, well, now, now we know which one of you guys became Batman fans because of fucking Dark Knight. Yeah. Like, eat shit. <laughs> his name is not Robin. Like his it's alias is Robin. Robin. If they would have been like, "You should use your real name, Mister." Grayson, yeah. Richard. I've been like, yes. There you go. That and makes then like twenty percent of the audience have been like, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. And the other eighty would be like, who the fuck is Richard Grayson? Yeah, I think that he just they, they did it all wrong. Ryan, what would you do different in Crimes of Passion? I would. As I said before, I, I would just cut out the whole subplot with uh, Perkins and just I would mm. make it a marriage sexual drama. I would like that as well. Yeah. All right, so listeners, you can rent Crimes of Passion off Amazon or That's Google what we did, three ninety nine. Yeah, it's cheap. I think it's worth a watch. Or you can buy it forty dollars at Barnes yeah, and Noble if you want to like waste thirty. $40. It's a cool cover. Yeah, it's a cool cover. I I like this movie. It's just it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't regret it. No, not at all. It's a like I said, it's another uh, thing in our 
our wheelhouse and our mm-hmm. repertoire, we can pull out and be like, yeah, but have you seen Crimes of Passion? Yeah. That's why I want to do Salo at some point. So we can say that we saw Salo. All right. And a Serbian film. One day we'll work our way towards that one. We'll get there. Oh, I don't want to watch that movie. All right, well, we're going to have we'll to. Do it. Anyway, um, we'll be back with a segment. Yay. Of sorts. All right, um, Daniel, do your thing. Hey everybody, my name is Daniel, and I want to tell you about another Top Gallant Radio show. Do you like movies? Good. I like movies too, but the show isn't about movies. Do you like books? Good, because in Slow Readers, we discuss books. Gabe, do you like reading? Hate it. I've always hated it. Every episode covers a different book, such as Animal Farm. Um, I was also making ties with another empire. Uh-oh. Um, the Sith. Because, yep, uh, basically, uh, the Emperor Palpatine was Napoleon <laughs> Blackwater. Oh my god, this this book is so painful. Yeah. I had to put it down repeatedly just to catch my breath. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what, I know what that's like, and truly... Uh, you were in a car that landed in Blackwater? Yeah, I dude, I know, I fucking killed a woman. You like fought? This. Uh, <laughs> you, oh, okay, never mind. Um, Wrong side. Do you not like reading books? Well, that's also okay, because you get to hang out with two pretty cool dudes. Join me, your host Daniel. She's like a pretty intelligent kid, because like her reaction to that is like, "You never read the Giver? You work in a bookstore." And and I and I was like really close to just snapping. I was going like, "Listen, girl, I read a lot of other books, okay?" <laughs> and my co-host Gabriel Mara, who co-hosts Sex and Violence. You love that guy, right? On-air challenge, slow readers exclusive. Slow readers exclusive. Can Gabe fit Gone Girl possess? <laughs> Then you get hours and hours and hours of access to us rambling about various topics, such as politics. Gabe, what do you think about Donald Trump launching missiles? Let's hear it. No. But our one run-in with the police. I took a breath to start. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, no, not going nope. that way. We're not a political podcast. Nope. Uh, we're just we're just milk chugging right wingers though. <laughs> milk chugging. And books into the water. Pledged. Feral to arms. The magicians. Wise book. Ethan from. An object of beauty. So go ahead, continue enjoying sex and violence. The hot ass top gallant radio show about movies and punk rock stuff and then when you're done with that go ahead and button your dress shirt up to the neck to the throat area and then go ahead and give slow readers a spin go search itunes and search up the name slow readers check us out slow readers comes out every monday you can also check us out on twitter at top gallant radio hello and welcome back from break hi ryan Hi, Gabriel. Hi, listeners. Hi, everybody. Wasn't that ad the same one it's been for 40 episodes? Danny-tastic. Mm-hmm. I need to pick a new one. Yeah. Been saying that for a while. Oh, well, yeah. you're busy. I don't have time. Yeah, these things happen. Mm-hmm. Sir. Yes, friend. What you been watching? Not a lot of anything? Nothing, basically. Okay. I have not been watching anything. I've just been doing the thing I always do where... I watch, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, or I watch anime, because I don't have time to focus on anything else. Today! Today I see Love, Simon, or Miracle Season, or something. Because I haven't been letting myself go to the movies, because I feel like I have too much work to do. I've been doing a lot of reading. That's Um, good. I've been rereading Bakuman, which is one of my favorite manga. It's all about two young men in Japan who want to become become manga creators. Very inspiring. Interesting. I had a couple really fun epiphanies about storytelling the other day. Oh, Ryan, let me, put, let me put this to you. You'd be a great sounding board for this. What I really love about, like, Japanese, like, media, especially, like, like anime, like, a lot of young anime, a lot of it is about, you can do it. I have a dream. I'm going to chase after it, which is inspiring stuff. And I realized, 
you don't really see that much of that at all anymore in American culture. That especially, I think that Americans particularly, we have this habit now where we don't like to take something of that much spirit seriously. You always have to add a layer of snark to it, or you have to be more about realism. Even our hero stories aren't about, I'm going to be the best hero. It's all about, how can we retell the story in as dark a way as possible? Even Superman's ambition isn't to be the best hero. He's just the best, as it is. So I don't think there are many hero stories in American culture anymore that are all about pursuing an endeavor. The last one I can think of that made, that made me feel like soaring, and I think that's what a lot of anime does, it makes you feel like, I can do it. I can be the best. It's like the fucking Pokemon theme. The last time I saw it done well in American culture was Creed. So Ryan, I present to you, are there American stories these days for all ages? Because a good manga, good anime should be an all ages kind of thing. What's the last thing you saw made in America about, I have an endeavor, I am going to pursue my dream? Wow, that's a tough one. I don't think there are American hero stories anymore. I Well, I mean, all of our favorite heroes are brash, bravado, broken down mm-hmm. heroes. I mean, think about, I mean, just the, the kind of movies you and I grew up on, like your 80s action heroes are always like quick one-liners. They're always kind of like pieces of shit. Like, yeah. especially like the ones that, like we both love Shane Black characters. God, yeah. But we got to look at our own personalities and why do we like that as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe that's just the way American audiences are. We like our heroes damaged. Yeah. But I always wondered about that. I wonder why that is. Because that's a curious thing. You know, I, I love analyzing the country's history along with their media. Mm-hmm. That I, I mentioned before, I would love to do an, an essay about what was it about France's history that made them create the extreme violence genre? What was it about Korean history where they created the entire South Korean new wave of Baroque violent films? And what would you say Americans have made... Uh contribution is into this i think that america did it all first america has always been the primary purveyor the worldwide center of entertainment Mm -hmm. so i think that americans have this edge of jadedness that we all have to show off this kind of jaded nature of we need to police ourselves and police our own ambitions because we have the luxury of already being the best so we're we're too we're too cynical as a people i think so yeah i would agree anyway i've been watching i've been reading that comic and you know it's fun Ryan, what have you been watching lately? I uh, just finished season one of Penny Dreadful. Hey. I'm the first episode of season two. Uh, still liking it. The first episode of season two is a little wonky. Okay. Uh, it's the it's only the second like episode that I've run into where I wasn't like super hot on it. All the other ones I've been like pretty like into it. Um, yeah, the yeah the season one's pretty solid, honestly. Okay. I dug it. There's only one episode that goes like deep into backstory on a who I find, I think I told you last week, the most, uh, the least interesting character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, sorry, stomach. Oh, dang. (laughs) Ryan hasn't eaten. Um, yeah, season two, episode one, I mean, it's setting up the new villain, and the new villain, like, that was my only problem with uh, season one, is like, there wasn't really a villain, it was more of like, the idea of a villain, so to speak, Uh if that makes sense. Sure. Um, Timothy Dalton. Well. Yeah, it, it makes me want to go back and watch like uh, License to Kill. Mm, love that one. Yeah, I think he's the only he only did uh, two Bond movies, right? He did indeed. The and was it did one? George Lazenby did one. Yeah, I imagine he did two. Service. And then yeah, the Living would Daylight. Craig if Craig does the next one, he would have the most. 
No, more no. had way more. More had way more. Okay, maybe more he just more. spent about the the longest time. Yeah, with it. I think they were churning out the more ones, but really, man, by a view to a kill, that guy was like geriatric. Yeah, still. Yeah. Um, other than that, I started read. I went to my parents, picked up some comics because uh-huh. I'm gonna be moving soon. So I have. I'm just bringing over a few things to start reading and get nice. ready to move downstairs. Um, so I started reading something for our next segment, which okay. we'll be revealing. You want to do that now? Yeah, let's segue over. Um, so we are going to be doing comic. Comic books. One of my favorite comics written by uh, Ennis, Garth Ennis. Garth so Ennis. we're going to be reading through The Boys. The Boys. The Boys are back in town. The Boys are back in town. Um, so I just, uh, last night finished the first volume. There are 12 volumes, so you'll get 12 weeks out of this. Okay. I think, right? Because yeah. it, yeah, I breathed through the first one. It's, it's normally in like six, um, issue blocks in the trades. Mm-hmm. So I blew through that in like a half hour. I read the entire series, like sitting in Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, it's great. So I have that for you. And then, um, I got, I got your other couple of treats. So maybe we'll sprinkle that in too, I'm if you're digging it. it. Um, but yeah, um, other right, than that. Right, you want to borrow the, um, the Battle Royale manga? Um, no, thank you. It is porn. I have porn on my phone. <laughs> Hi, you brought up porn Damn first. Damn it! All right. I always do this. Sorry, Professor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she knows. Yeah, that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than that, I'm yeah, looking forward nothing. to doing our boys thing. I think well, it'll basically be us reading every volume and talking about whatever news comes out about the new series. Yeah. I'm excited for that. I actually found, uh, I saw something last night that I wanted to talk about. So we were saying how we were excited for... Uh, Carl Urban to play Billy Butcher. Yes. I saw a like funny or die thing last night that made me realize who would be a better Billy Butcher. Who? Vinnie Jones. Oh. I wonder if he has it. I wonder if he can pull off the dramatic stuff. He the, he has that like intensity to him though, mm-hmm. which I really like. And I'm like, wow, he's a big dude. If you just like gave him a little bit like thicker hair on top, dyed it nice and black, and gave him like the black trench coat, like he's he could be Billy Butcher. I could see it. I would just want to make sure that he has the capacity to do some of the... Can you imagine that guy, like, cradling his, like, wife after, like... I, I can't, yes. I, I, I can't see him doing the drama stuff so much, but if... I well, that's that's it. what makes, like, those moments in the comic that more powerful is when you see him, like, ripping off a guy's thumbs, and then, like, three issues later, it's like, what is it about people in love? And he's just sitting there reading the paper saying mm-hmm. um, two people finding each other, and everyone's like, why are you talking about love? <laughs> so I think, like, having that... You know, I'm still happy about Urban. Yeah. But like, we, we me too, do, don't get me wrong. We should do Dread at some point, considering how <sighs> fucking great that movie Fuck is. Yeah, I love Dread. It was great. Love Dread. Great movie. Yeah, well, let's see what happens. Word. We can get there. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that other movie that's coming out. What's that? This week. What the the direct-to-video release of uh, Time Cop. Finally, thank yeah, God. Finally. I'm so excited. No, it's finally here. Yeah. It's been... Yeah, it's been... Uh, Ten years. It's only been 10 years. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Jeez. Good job, Kevin. Yeah, really. Well, I mean, it's it's not the closing, but they're saying this is the Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe part one. Yeah. Probably um, part one. I had a dream last night Uh-oh. where I read a, where someone spoiled a thing for it. And I don't remember what it is now, but I remember being like, oh, ruin. And I woke up being like, well, now that, movie was, Actually, oh, that was a dream. I think the embargo was lifted today. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was lifted today. Oh, boy, I don't want to I go. thought it was. I want to see it Friday morning. Are you? I'm probably going Thursday. Word. If you don't go Thursday, or if you want to go again, just join me. I'm probably going to go Thursday, and I might go Sunday. I might go Friday, too. Who knows? Yeah, who we'll knows? see what happens. Why are you fucking up on Oh, that? yeah, Avengers. That's what's happening. 
Infinity yeah. War. So is this is this uh, Evans' last one or next one's his last one? Uh, the next one is his last one. Okay. But they're saying that time travel could be factoring heavily into the next one. Yeah. There's a, a I don't know if I talked about it to you. I might have talked about it to somebody else. Uh, there's a, a quick TV spot uh, with Doctor Strange, and he's just like, I went into the future and saw all the household outcomes, and just Robert Downey Jr.'s like, did we win in any of them? And like, mm-hmm. cut. And nice. it's just like, okay. Yeah, like my, my imagination. Like, Ryan, what do you want to do about this? Do you want to do some rampant speculation? Or like, what, what, what do you want to talk about, Ryan? The Avengers is a big topic. It is a big topic. Um, we've both been fans of the MCU for... Since, since the beginning. A, yeah. Um... I've seen every single one in theaters. I think you have too, right? No, I no? haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen Thor 1 or Ragnarok in theaters. There's okay. not a more dark, dark world. Okay. I, There's um, only ones though. I vote with my dollar, so I go... I mean, I'm usually there almost every single opening weekend. There's only been like three or four that I've missed opening weekend on. I've caught it in weeks two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for this, but also... Because like, it is. They, they started teasing Thanos in 2012. Yeah. At the end of Avengers, the first one. Yeah, I think so. Um, That's 2012, jeez. Yeah, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see. It. I'm excited for to see what Brolin does. I'm excited to see all these heroes interacting on screen. It's like it's a fanboy's wet dream, dude. Yeah. Um, speculation wise, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if anyone's gonna die. I think if anyone dies, it'll be reversed with use of time stone. So yeah. I don't think anyone's actually dying. Dying. It's mm-hmm. just like. I saw a theory online that because of the time stone, you're going to see multiple like timelines and events play out and then reverse. Mm. So, I, like, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, actually, you know what? Rather than doing any speculation, let me bring this up. Did you see the trailer for Venom? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, <laughs> meh? Like, yeah. Like, I, I think he looks cool as fuck at he the end. He does look really cool. Like, he looks really cool, but, like... I think to do a Venom movie, you need to have it connected to Spider-Man first. To have yeah. the symbiote connect to Eddie mm. Brock first is not the right way because it connects to Eddie Brock because of their shared hatred of Peter Parker. Yep. Without that, like, there's there's no reason to do the movie. I agree. I mean, I don't necessarily need to, need it to be like that tied to the creed of it, but really, I do. I, it's I I really think without. Spider-Man in the world, it seems kind With, of. But without the symbiote attaching to Spider-Man first, mm-hmm. what what starts the hatred between the Venom symbiote and Peter Parker. Like, you it? need to have that. How do they do it in, what's it called? In, uh, in Ultimate Spider-Man. I don't recall. Because I don't think he gets a symbiote suit in Ultimate Spider-Man. I think it's a different thing entirely. Isn't it isn't like him and his, uh, Eddie Brock's dad and Peter Parker's dad worked on it together. Yeah, they were, the they were, they were together in that way, but I don't think that, um, Peter ever gets, like, the black suit for that. I'm not sure. It's been a long time. I don't know, but, like, that's how the symbiote gets, like, the, uh, like, animosity. some of the, the, yeah. the animosity and some of the powers. That's mm-hmm. why, uh, Spider-Man can't detect uh, Venom with his yeah. spider senses because he's already been attached, attached to him and stole it away. Yeah. So, oh, I don't know. That I really feel like I, I don't. If the whole premise is flawed from the word "boo," I think it's like, well, I don't want a Venom movie without Spider-Man. He's I think he's the most interesting when he's combined with Spider-Man. I agree. It's like I don't want a standalone Joker movie. What? Why would I want that? Why? Why are you trying yeah. to make money? And also, like, and also, like, why are you trying to shoehorn in Carnage? Like, yes, of the mm-hmm. fans do want to see Venom and Carnage. Yeah. But, like, after it's been connected to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you're connecting it to Spider-Man, like, I don't fucking care that there's a Venom movie if it has no connection to the MCU, which I think it will. They're Maybe, saying well, yeah, no. Yeah, they're working but... on it. I, I would love to see Tom Hardy, like, 
I would I want to I would love would really enjoyed seeing meeting Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy in Spider Man. How he get how he, he learns to hate Peter, and then you do have Venom in it. I want to see that Venom fighting Homecoming Spider Man. I mm-hmm. would love I would love to see that story. Yeah, but as it, it might not happen, and I don't really give that money fucks about Venom alone. Yeah, I'm like you know what I like more I like Ben Riley more than him. I like. Kane more than him. You like Ben Riley more? Oh, I love I love Scarlet Spider. Alright. Great in Clone Saga. But you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, Avengers coming up. We'll obviously do our review of it next week. Yeah, I'm I'm sure I'm gonna love it. I'm sure I'm gonna really like it. I mean the Russo brothers, I mean my favorite MCU movie is Civil War, so Civil War's great. I'm still yeah, an Age of Ultron guy, but that's Yeah. 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 Alright. I can dig it. Yeah. Um, Ryan, anything else before we go on to our next episode game? Um, Venom. Um, Avengers, the, comic books. There's been some, because uh, the book's right here, there's been some It Chapter 2 talk. Oh, yeah. I hear about the, the possible casting. Chastain. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, for Bev. Uh, Bill Hader. Yeah, as uh, for, Richie. For Richie. Fun. And um, James McAvoy yeah, for Bill. Uh, Bill. So, I like that. I, I like that I, a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, Bill Hader's pretty great. I, I would... Have you seen Barry yet? I hear it's yeah. really good. I haven't seen it yet. I love Bill Hader. Big fan of that yeah. guy. I just watched, um, this was like two or three weeks ago, I think I brought up the show. We watched uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and he's oh, like, no. even that, he's great. Mm-hmm. I like when he shows I up. I would end you. Yeah, it's so funny. He's, he's just amazing. Okay, Ryan. Time for the game. Time for the game. Listeners, since we're back to format, you know how we do this thing. It's going to be a violence pick, and I have four trailers to show Ryan. Okay. He's going to pick two, and then we're going to flip a coin. Number one, Ryan. Your first option is Kinji Fukasaku. Wait. Is that him? No, Takashi Miike. Sorry, Kinji Fukasaku is dead. So it is his adaptation of Blade of the Immortal. Oh. Let's watch this trailer. Is this this new one you showed me a while ago? Yes. Oh, this is a new trailer. I've seen this one. told the young girl to find an immortal man. Off the old trailer better because it's not going to pop for no reason.
hate hip-hop thrown into something that's not made of hip-hop you don't need to show me any more trailers <laughs> i have a couple other ones though i might want to check them out but um yeah um, i'm a big fan i used to be a huge fan of that comic and then it started running extra long mm -hmm. and as a high schooler i didn't have enough money to keep on buying them but i do have the first like 12 volumes so that might be a nice trade off with what's it called the boys yeah i actually i ran through this because uh, when i was at my parents house i got my couple boxes of trades mm. out and i was like how did i afford all these fucking yeah, comics when i was 21 because <laughs> I, I wouldn't go out to bars i would just spend yeah. like 20 40 dollars a week on buying like a couple trades it makes sense i built up a damn good collection all right so maybe i'll pass those off to you as well because yeah, i love those comics off. as well so i'm wondering how far the movie goes because it's a long series your next option the 1981 sylvester stallone classic nighthawks Oh, god damn. You really... Are you, like, reading me like a book, man? I do my best. This is what I was doing when we were watching, uh... Crimes of Passion. I wanted to watch this for a while. Great movie. Dr. Howard, yeah, baby. he's a European terrorist. Oh, not a terrorist. He's just a serial killer. Sometimes called Wolfgar. Born Frankfurt, Germany, 1946. Educated Paris and Patrice Lumumba University, Moscow. Currently self-employed. Occupation? International terrorist. Oh, he's a terrorist. I'm sorry. That was a killer. It's been a while I've, since I've watched this killer because I almost bought it from Shot Factory. Oh, wait. Billy D. Williams is in it. Lando Calvisian. <laughs> Born and raised New York City. Honorable discharge. U.S. Army. 1972. Registered kids. Yeah. Occupation? Cop. One man can bring the world to its knees. And only one man can stop him. I would love to be at a drive-in movie theater seeing that trailer. Oh, like, that's be, what it looked like. I'd be like, oh. yeah! Okay. Your you're, next you're, pick. you're two for two. Okay. Your next pick. From the creator of Green Room, Blue Ruin. Okay. I haven't seen this trailer before.
Three for three, Gabe. Cool. And lastly... It's going to be a tough one. The 
All right, Ryan. You have some uh, really great picks there. Crucible's on, my friend. So, what I'm going to take is uh, Blade of the Immortal. Okay, excellent. Versus, which one do you think I'm going for? Um, boy, oh boy. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Nighthawks. No, I'm going with Blue Ruin. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. That's exciting. So, uh, what's what? Let's see. Um, let's say Heads is Blade of the Immortal. Okay. And Tails is Blue Ruin. Alright. Let's see. We were watching Blue Ruin. Alright. How exciting. I'm are you, excited. Are you, are you excited about this, Ryan? I am. Uh, I would have rather watched Blade of the Immortal. You uh, still just do that? Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, gotta follow the coin. That's true. The co- without this, I mean, there's, there's the there lawless no society. Mm-hmm. So I will gladly watch Blue Ruin. That's why I picked it. It looks interesting and tense. Uh, if it's half as good as Green Room is, I'll be fully on board. Right. I might watch Blade of the Immortal anyway, also. Yeah. yeah we could also do it. <laughs> we could just do like, it. Yeah. I, I've been putting off watching it because I'm like, I want to present this one to Ryan. But either we can just do it also anyway, or we can save that for our next violence pick. We could do that. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, that'll cool. be saved uh, for the next spot, so that'll be... Yeah, that would be my pick anyway. Nice. So, yeah. Sweet. Fuck it. Good stuff. Next week, we're Blue doing... Blue Ruin. Ruin. Ryan, do you want to do that thing we were threatening to do, where in addition to doing Blue Ruin, you would either watch the new um, Blood Death Wish or the old Death Wish? Oh, that's got to be a separate thing. Once that's out on DVD, oh, okay. that'll be a separate thing where we're going to do... A, <laughs> I want to do a double feature of original Death Wish and... Uh, new Death Wish together as like a we'll take that'll be out of format that'll be All just right. a special episode I can do that alright then so um, do some plugging Ryan uh, you can find me on the Instagram at Tango Like Cash Ooh. or you can find me at the bookstore Speakeasy every Friday Saturday night 336 Adam Street Southside Bethlehem come in say hi ask me for a drink and then pay for your drink yeah. and we'll talk uh huh Gabriel. Um, listeners, please also listen to the other Top Gout radio show. It is Slow Readers, a fast-paced literature podcast where Daniel Reichel and I discuss books, literature, media, video games, and mostly nothing. Um, besides that, you can buy some merch from us from now. You can buy a Sex and Violence t-shirt. Yes. Exciting times. Um, besides that, follow me personally at Baby Mara. Five is the end of it. And I think that's it, Ryan. That's about it. That's it. Good so, time. We'll see you next week for Blue Ruin. Hell yeah. Bye, baby. Bye. This has been a Top Count Radio production, executive produced by Daniel Reichel and Gabriel Mara. For more podcasts and content, go to topcountradio.com 